appreciate uh, Victory Baptist Church being faithful to this meeting, and uh, appreciate Brother Lance coming in from this, this afternoon. Now he's most of you don't know this, but he drove almost 500 miles to get here. He left uh, the meeting he was in last night in Durham, North Carolina, and uh, after service last night, got into Asheville at 3:30, and then he was up at 7:30. He had to be up at 7:30 to have fellowship with the pastor. The pastor got him up to go eat breakfast, you know, and when he needed to sleep. And uh, but he got up and was gracious and went. I'd told the pastor to go back to bed if it'd been me. Now the evangelist can do that, but the senior can't do that. And uh, no, Brother Lance is so gracious. He went out with the pastor at 7.30. He got three hours of sleep. And then uh, he drove on in. And uh, the church was able to get the motel. And uh, there's packed out because of some ball game thing going on. I'm glad they was able to get the, the motel accommodation. He said, I got about an hour's rest. He said, I'm feeling good. I tell you, him and the young men did good, didn't they? Amen. Amen. He can just about put his guitar up when he comes down here and just let them play. And uh, those young men are doing great. I appreciate it. I want to brag on them. And I, not only them, but all these young people. This church has a host of young people. And uh, get around these altars and they pray. And uh, I appreciate it. I wish that I, when I'd have been younger, me and I mean this. I want you to listen to me, all you young men, young ladies. You're not missing anything. If you'll stay out of the world, live for Jesus Christ, you're not missing a thing. And I wish to God that I'd never got involved in sin. I wish I'd never rebelled against my mom and dad. And I wish that I got saved at an early age and wouldn't have so many scars in my mind and, and things like that. But uh, I'm glad that these, if you're not saved tonight, we pray that you'll get saved. And it's just good to be here. Appreciate all your preachers coming, taking time out of a busy schedule. And I always appreciate Brother Lee. He does. He shows up like Brother Donnie does. Brother Harvey comes and backs us in these meetings. Others of you, and uh, Brother Clint Miller here, and different ones. But Brother Leland, he's always a smiling, always just a grin. That's how, I, that's how I've always <laughs> that he had something to smile about. I appreciate, appreciate him, appreciate all of you coming. I tell you, our brother over here, our brother's turned out. He's been here every night. He was here last year when we was here two weeks. Every night of the meeting, and uh, I appreciate, I appreciate him coming. Bring his church, blessed hope, turned out last night. I appreciate you coming. Now, I want to preach a message tonight with the help of the Lord that I pray that will speak to our hearts. And if you're saved tonight, you'll see what Jesus suffered that uh, you'll never have to suffer. Then if you're here tonight lost, you need to pay attention because what I'm going to deal with tonight is, is what you're going to suffer in hell if you die without the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read something to you that came to me in the mail. I didn't subscribe to this, but it's being sent to me. And it's U.S. News, uh, it's U.S. News World Report. This was the January edition that came this year, 2000. And the very front page, it has hell, a new vision of the nether world. And it's showing here uh, a picture of so-called devil with a glass of martini like in his hand. Shows some people here that's laying like on the beach and demons are serving them drinks. And on the inside of this edition, it said here, it said, it said, hell hath no fury. Hell has no fury. And it said, while fire and brimstone, out of fashion, modern thinking says the netherworld isn't so hot after all. Here's what they begin to say, some of the things. Now, I just highlighted some of these. It said, since long, since long before the Puritan preacher, Jonathan Edwards, struck fear in the hearts of the 18th century New Englands, the threat of hell has served as a potent incentive to refrain from evil and cling to faith. For preachers like Edwards and his spiritual heirs, the eternal sakes were frightfully clear. There was a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Hell and its flaming torments were real. I still believe that's so, friend. But they went on. Now here, they, they belittled Jonathan Edwards, and they belittled everybody that preaches in a literal burning hell. They said the latest round of revision has been touched off by a surprising editorial, an influential Jesuit magazine with close ties to the Vatican. Hell, the magazine declared, is not a place but a state, a person's state of being. I believe that's not so. I don't believe that's so. 
in which a person suffers from the deprivation of God. A few days later, Pope John Paul II told an audience at the Vatican that rather than a place, hell indicates the state of those who freely and definitely separate themselves from God. To describe this God-forsaken condition, the Pope said the Bible uses symbolic language that figuratively portrays in a pool of fire those who exclude themselves from the book of life, thus meeting with a second death. I do not believe that the Bible uses figurative language when it talks about hell. It's talking about a literal burning place called hell. A little later on in this, in this article, it said it would come as a little surprise, says some scholars, that modern educated Americans reject notions of a blazing underworld where anguished souls writh in endless torment. A literal hell is part of the understanding of the cosmos that doesn't exist anymore. That's what they're saying today. They're saying that there is no hell. And they're saying it's only a state of mind and that you don't have to fear hell any longer. I'm going to tell you something, friend. The Bible is still the Word of God. And the Bible hasn't changed. And this Bible, God's Word, said there is a literal burning place called hell. I want to preach tonight with the help of the Lord. I want us to look at two different things here tonight, try to tie them together. I want to preach tonight on Calvary, Calvary, the sinner's hell in review. Have you ever thought about that Calvary as a picture of the sinner's hell in review? What Jesus suffered at the cross and during those hours as he suffered there is what the sinner is going to suffer throughout all eternity. Now, I'm glad tonight I'm not going to have to die and go to hell. I'm glad that I've been saved by the grace of God. But here in Matthew chapter 27, look at verse 33. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. And sitting down, the Bible said, they watched him there. Speaking about as he suffered and as he bled and as he died. Won't you take your Bible, come to Luke chapter 16. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. I was reading just the other day a man by the name of Bishop J.C. Ryle. This man died in 1900. He preached from about 19, 1830 all the way to 1900. He was a well-known preacher in days gone by. He made this statement. He said, if you would promote faith and defeat the devil and save sinners, he said, preach hell. Are you hearing me? He said, if you would promote faith, defeat the devil, and save sinners, preach hell. I believe we need to get back to preaching that there is a literal place called hell. We need a revival. I mean, among the saints of God that would revive us to the fact that there is a place called hell and that we that have been saved have escaped that. We have no fear of that. But then on the other hand, those that are not saved, those that are not born again are headed to a literal burning hell. The Bible said in Luke 16, verse number 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And by the way, this is the Lord Jesus who's talking here. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, watch this now, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, 
and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now, I want to preach tonight, and I want us to look at the Lord Jesus as he suffered and bled and died at Calvary, and then I want you to see what the sinner is going to have to suffer in hell and then later in the lake of fire for throughout all eternity. Now, I believe according to God's word, 2,000 years ago, God Almighty did everything that was necessary for a sinner to escape this place called hell. I mean, when God sent his son into the world and Jesus was the virgin-born son of God and Jesus grew up, began his earthly ministry, lived, he, he preached for three and a half years, went to the cross and he died as mankind's substitute. He bore in his body our sins and took our place. I believe God did everything that is possible for men and women, boys and girls, to escape hell. Now the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible said, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes, the Bible said, ye were healed. He took our place. He took not only our place, but the place of every sinner and became mankind's substitute. Now the Bible said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But that's what the wages of sin is. It's death. And that word death there implies eternal banishment from God Almighty to die and die and die and never be able to die. You know, the only way, the, the only way a sinner could pay his own sin debt would be to die and go to hell and live in hell to the great white throne judgment then be brought out and to be cast into the lake of fire and spend eternity upon eternity upon eternity and he would never, ever be able to pay the wages of sin. But Jesus, he satisfied the demands of God Almighty and he suffered our hell. He suffered the judgment of God for us that anyone and everyone might be saved by the grace of God. Now, most people don't believe in hell today. Did you know that's a statistic in this article here? They talked about in the 1970s how many believed in a real hell. And then they told in the year 2000. And it's dropped drastically now. Men believe it's only a state of mind. Some believe in total annihilation. That when you die that you're dead and gone like a dog, friend. I've got news for you. Listen to me. There was a time when you did not exist. But there'll never be a time in eternity future when you shall cease to exist. You're going to live forever and ever and ever. Either in heaven because you get saved and born again or in hell and the lake of fire because you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, I mean, we need to get back. I mean, to preaching about hell and praying like we believe there's a hell and pleading with sinners like we believe that there is a literal burning hell. Now, I want us to compare the sufferings of the rich man in Luke chapter 16, and I want us to see the things he suffered and then the things that the Lord Jesus suffered, and let's just see. Let's just see if the Lord really did. The Bible said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's see if the Lord really paid the sin debt in full. Now, as you begin to look in Luke chapter 16, in verse 23, here you find the wages of sin demands that there be the agony of separation separation, friend, 
And the Bible said in verse 23, And in hell that rich man, that he lift up his eyes. Are you hearing me? They done, they went, they've already buried his body, friend. You say, well, preacher, how could he lift up his eyes when his eyeballs was in his head and his body's planted out there in the ground? Are you looking at me? Now listen to me. This is not the real me right here. You cut my arms off. You can gouge my eyes out. I mean, listen, cut my limbs off of my body and just don't let me bleed to death. And the real me is still in here. What I use this body for is to pick things up. I use this hole in my skull here to speak words out. I use these holes in the side of my head to hear with. The real me is on the inside, friend. Are you listening? And when that rich man died and was buried and in hell, he lift up his eyes. I want you to understand that they still can see and hear and feel and talk in hell. Are you hearing me? I mean, they still can hear and talk and smell and feel in a place called hell. The Bible said here, right, he lifted up his eyes in hell, right, and being in torments, he seeth Abraham afar off, right, and Lazarus in his bosom. In verse 26, right, and besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, right, so that they which would pass from it to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, right, that would come from thence. Right, now, and in Luke chapter 16, right, during this time of the Bible, right, when people died, right, they went, those that were saved, right, those that were believers, right, went into the heart of the earth, right, and they went to the paradise side, right, in Abraham's bosom. Right, those that died lost, those that were unbelievers, believers that they went to the other side that this thing was divided by a gulf and they went into the fires of hell now paradise is no longer in the heart of the earth when Jesus ascended when he resurrected he brought paradise out and every believer friend and he took them to heaven and then hell just spilled over you say, preacher, Satan, do you believe hell is in the heart of the earth? With all of my soul. The Bible said hell is moved from beneath thee to meet thee at thy coming. If hell is moved from beneath the sinner in Tennessee, if hell is moved from beneath the sinner in Australia, if hell is moved from beneath the person at the, uh, listen, the North Pole, it tells us one thing. Hell is in the heart of this earth. Now I believe that. I believe that. And I believe that's where people that die lost, that's where they go. They go, and there's the agony of separation. He was separated from Lazarus. He was separated from Abraham's bosom. And there was a great gulf that was fixed. Nobody from Abraham's bosom could go over there. And nobody from hell could go over to paradise. The agony of separation. Now, you know what? None of us really, it's our makeup. None of us really like to be alone for too long of a time. Everybody likes company. Everybody likes somebody around. Sure, now I know there's times when you like to be alone and you want to spend time with the Lord. But let them shut you up in solitary confinement, friend. Let them put you in some dark dungeon. Let them put you in a dark cave and shut you up for days and weeks and months and years. You know what solitary confinement like that can do to a man? It can drive him or her totally insane. The agony of separation. If you die lost, you're going to be separated from every saved child of God. You'll be eternally banished from the presence of God Almighty. Now you say, preacher, did Jesus suffer that? 
All right, let's look at it. Let's look at the cross and let's see what happened to the Lord. I remember in Matthew 27 and 46 that Jesus cried as he's hanging there on that cross. He pulled up and got some air into his lungs and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? On the cross of Calvary, God the Father and God the Holy Ghost turned their back on the Son of God. And Jesus suffered the agony of separation. He was separated from his friends. He was separated from his followers. The Bible said in Mark 14, 50, they all forsook him and fled. And if that wasn't bad, enough at his friends and his followers but now his father I mean God almighty God the father and God the Holy Ghost turned their back on the son of God and he suffered the agony of separation oh I'm so glad that he did I'm glad he was willing to do that and he went as it were, to where God is not. He became our scapegoat. He took our sins into an uninhibited land. Thank God. And dealt with our sins and satisfied God's righteous demands. And now the Father doesn't have to forsake us. You know why God forsook Jesus? You know why God the Father and God the Holy Ghost turned their back and let Jesus die all alone so that when sinners came to be saved, God would not have to forsake them, but he could receive them through what Christ has done for them. Yes, sir. He suffered the agony of separation, friend. You say, oh, preacher, I'm not afraid of hell. I've met some folk that said that. I've had men in jails. I've had men on death row. I've had men in some of these penitentiaries. One man there at the Knoxville jail one day spit. And he said, I don't believe in hell. Don't believe in God. And he spit at me and Brother Willis Shankles. I said, son, five seconds after you die, you will be a believer. There are no unbelievers in hell tonight. I mean, all the agnostics, all the Bob Ingersolls and the infidels, they believe that there's a literal burning hell, friend. They that died lost, they believe now, friend. Oh, yes, there's no unbelievers in hell. There's none. This rich man, when he died and lifted up his eyes in hell, he knew that there was a real literal hell. And part of this, uh, the wages of sin demanded the agony of separation. Then, not only that, uh, I thought about this. It demanded the wages of sin, uh, the agony of shame. The agony of shame. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, in Luke 16, 19, uh, the Bible said there was a certain rich man. And he which was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day. What the Bible is saying is that he had the best that life had to offer, friend. This man never wanted for anything. He had the best clothes. He had the best food. And he had never known any shame. But once he died and lifted up his eyes in hell, that was hell is a place of shame, friend. A place of shame and sorrow. Hey, he had never done any begging. No, he had never begged while he was on planet earth. But it was, and by the way, the Bible said that Lazarus sat by the gate and he desired the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. But when the rich man died and Lazarus died, the tables were turned, friend. Lazarus looked like he lived in shame and died a shameful death. They didn't even bother to bury Lazarus. You don't find that in the Bible. There's a good possibility 
uh, that they picked his carcass up, uh, carried it out there to the valley of Gehenna. That was a fire that burned perpetual where the refuse was taken uh, and they probably throwed his carcass on it uh, and whatever happened to it, uh, it looked like he died a shameful death. Uh, but little did they know uh, the tables had been turned now uh, and Lazarus wasn't begging anymore. Uh, he was now in Abraham's bosom. Uh, but it's the rich man. Uh, it's the man that died lost uh, who's now doing the begging, friend. He's begging. Begging for water. Begging for mercy. Begging for a missionary to go back to his family. Uh, uh, begging for God uh, to have mercy on him. I'm going to tell you something, friend. When you die, if you die lost, God will never answer your prayers. Are you hearing me? Oh, listen, you'll never have an answered prayer in hell. You say, preacher, I am not going to bow my knee down here. I'm not going to bow my knees. And I'm not going to surrender my life to the Lord. I'm the boss of my life, preacher. I run my life. I call the shots. And that's what sin is. Sin is red-handed rebellion against authority of God. You go on and live like that. You go on and stiffen your neck and say no to God. I promise you, hey, you can't hardly scare people anymore. They've seen so many Friday nights, uh, uh, Freddie Fugger and all that crowd uh, and so many gory films that uh, you can't hardly scan. I'm not really trying to scare you. I'm going to tell you something, friend. You die lost uh, and I promise you you'll go to praying then. Uh, you'll go to begging God then uh, but it'll be too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. I tried to preach last night uh, on refusing the call of God uh, and waiting too late to get saved. That's right. Agony of shame. You say, preacher, did Jesus suffer shame? The Bible said in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, uh, who for the joy that was set before him uh, endured the cross uh, and despised the shame. Are you hearing me? He was willing to go through shame. Isaiah 50 and verse 6, the Bible said, I gave my back to the smiters and my face to them that plucked out the hair and I hid not my face from shame and spitting. I'm going to tell you what they did to the Son of God, friend. That they had Jesus bound and they blindfolded him in the common hall and the praetorium, it's called. And they took the Lord and plucked the very hair from his face. They spit on him after they crowned him with a crown of thorns. I mean, just not passively walking by him in the face of the Son of God that they drew from their sinus cavities and the bowel of their stomach. And they spit Flame. I mean, flame and spittles dripping off of his face. And they shamed him. They took their open hands, Matthew said, and slapped his face. They shamed him. Oh, yes, he bore our shame. He took, he took our place. But they'll never shame him again, friend. They'll never spit in his face again. When he comes back the next time, he's coming back as King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, friend. Second Thessalonians 1 said, taking, uh, coming back in flaming fire, uh, taking vengeance on them that know not God. I'm telling you it's going to be different when he comes the second time. People that die lost, I promise you, you're going you're to endure shame. Shame throughout all eternity. Something else. There's the agony, the agony, the wages of sin, I believe, demanded the agony of thirst. The agony of thirst. Luke 16, 24, that rich man's in hell now. He's in hell. And the Bible said he cried. He cried. You say, I'm never going to cry down here. I'll have you know, preacher, I'm a double-fisted man. I've been cut. I've been shot. I ain't never cried. I promise you, if you die lost, you'll cry. I promise you, if you die unsaved, you're going to do some crying, friend. You hear me? 
The Bible said the rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, he said, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He didn't ask for a glass full. All he wanted was for Lazarus to come and dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. He only wanted one drop of water. All he was asking for was one drop of water. Hey, he was thirsty, friend. Thirsty engulfed in flames. I mean, when you breathe in flames, flames all around. The Bible teaches us that hell is a place of outer darkness. It's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I've met these men, I've met some of these tough so-called guys, and they'll say, Preacher, and by the way, they had that song out years ago, ACDC did, Highway to Hell, Highway to Hell. Said, Hey, Mama, look at me, I'm on my way to the promised land. I'm on my way to the highway to hell. Hey, Satan, pay my dues. Pay it on a rocking band, on the highway to hell. I tell you what happened to the lead singer, Bon Scott of ACDC. It wasn't long after they recorded that that session right there that he drowned he drowned in his own regurgitation in his own vomit he drowned as he was strung out on dope and I promise you he awoke in hell and he's not singing about a highway to hell now he's not singing about pay my dues on a rocking band I promise you he's screaming and crying out crying out the eagles the eagles, Paul McCartney and years ago the eagles sung about a good day in hell. There are no good days in hell. You hear me? There's no good days in hell, sinner. Weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever really, really been thirsty? I don't believe, I mean, I mean really thirsty. Have you ever been to where they wouldn't let you have no water? Have you ever been ready for surgery? I mean, at 12 o'clock, they had it up there. They had to sign on your water jug. No water. And all night long, waiting on the surgeon to come the next morning. No water. No water. You ever been thirsty, friend? A couple of years ago, 19, I believe it was 92, I was preaching at People's Baptist Church in Morrow, Georgia. I got sick, wound up dehydrated. I've been preaching so much. I wound up, they rushed me to the hospital. I was throwing up, losing fluids. And they got me in there and they stuck me in a waiting room and stuck an IV bottle in me. And they had the glucose there. And that woman said, now preacher, you can't have nothing to drink. It'll make you sick. We gotta get this in your fluid. This, this fluid into your system. I said, how long is it going to take that thing? And she said, one hour. Just one hour, preacher. And then you can get up and you can have some water. I was laying there. I'm telling you, minutes seem like days. And I mean, 15 minutes seem like a year. I mean, they shut the door on me and I was in there by myself. And it was just barely dripping and barely dripping. I said, hey, I said, hey, hey, nurse. Finally, when I'm coming, I said, you're going to have to open that door. I, I can't stand the thoughts of being shut up in here by myself. I, I said, please, you're going to have to get me a drink. I, she said, you can't have no water, preacher. I, no water to this. I thought that thing never was. I, that one hour, it seemed like it was never going to pass. As soon as I got up from there, and they jerked that needle out of my arm. I, I rushed to that water fountain and buried my head in it I, and drank and drank and drank. But can you imagine what it's like in hell? In hell, never to have anything to quench your thirst. There's no curse. Hey, there's no curse in hell. There's no Paps Blue Ribbon in hell. I've met these guys say, well, we'll just drink our beer. We'll have our party. My friends are in hell. That's where I want to go. You're crazy, friend. You're a foolish individual. You don't want to die and go to hell. Oh, you must understand, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41, God said, Jesus is saying, the word of God said, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Now you understand that the, God's omnipotent mind, I mean the greatest architectural mind of the universe, 
The same mind that devised the new earth and the new heaven that will one day come into existence. The same mind that, that made the celestial city where the saints of God shall abide. That same mind that, that made that as blessed and as happy and as glorious as God's omnipotent mind that could think it up to be. God made hell just as wicked and as vicious and vile and as torturous. And he didn't do it for mankind. Mankind goes as an intruder. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But if you bypass the cross, you bypass salvation, you're going into hell as an intruder. You're going to be thirsty, friend. You're going to be, hey, just think they're down there. I believe personally they're falling. And falling. the earth is rotating on its axis and it revolves around and around and around. And they're inside. And they're falling and falling and falling. Screaming and black as a million midnights. And fire all around them. Hey, that rich man said, I'm tormented. Tormented in this flame. 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 You say, how could a man be in outer darkness? How could it be black as pitch and fire be burning? Medical, listen, scientists even tell us today one of the hottest fires known to man. It used to be the blue flame, what was called the blue flame. But now they say there's a flame that burns almost black. One of the hottest known flames to mankind. I'm telling you, friend, you know what I believe every now and then when God grabs one of those old volcanoes, one of those on one of those islands, and God squeezes a little bit, and that thing ruptures and begins to spew out ash and spew out lava, and it comes running down the side. God is saying to mankind, you better wake up. There's a hell. There's a hell. There's a hell. Place of thirst. You say, did Jesus suffer that preacher? Oh, yes. Jesus hung there from 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock that afternoon, six long hours, pulling up and down, pulling up and down on that cross. I mean, blood-saturated cross. Jesus had already been beaten with a cat of nine tails, crowned with thorns. And they tell me, historians say, those particular thorns grow three to five inches in length. And if a man gets pricked by one of them, it causes an acute amount of thirst to the, to the mind and to the body. The Lord wasn't pricked with one. They plaited a crown of thorns. There were hundreds of them. And, and shoved them in his brow, down the back of his neck. They took a reed and beat that thing on his head. And, and drove it in! Down by his eyes and down by his ears and the back of his neck. And his body, began, his tongue began to swell. Thirst. Thirst. The only thing Jesus ever asked for while he was on the cross. You hear me? He never asked for him to pull the spikes out of his hands. He never did ask them to pull the spikes out of his feet. He didn't ask them to take him down. But in John 19, 28, and he knowing that all things were now accomplished, he cried and said, I thirst! I thirst! I thirst! They took a hyssop and they'd put it into vinegar and took it to him, stuck it to his mouth. It had gall in it, something that was to deaden the pain. And when he tasted thereof, he would not drink. I mean, he didn't take anything to deaden his senses so the pain would not be excruciating. You hear me? He said, I thirst. I'm going to tell you what else I believe about that word when he said, I thirst. I believe he's talking about maybe H2O water. But I believe more than that, he was saying, I thirst. What he's saying is he's been separated from God the Father. He's been separated from God the Holy Ghost. From 12 o'clock till 3 o'clock that afternoon, I'm talking about outer darkness engulfed this planet. And God draped a black, as a black background over this universe. And the Lord is saying, I thirst. I thirst. I believe more than for H2O water. He is talking about for the presence and the fellowship of God. He had been to where God was not. Are you hearing me? It's as though his, the Bible said his soul was made an offering for sin. Isaiah 53. His soul was made an offering for sin. He said, I thirst. I thirst. My dad used to preach on hell and I can still hear him. I can still see him. He said, you better go back. We always at the house keep a jug of cold water in the house, in the refrigerator. I've seen my dad come in many a time and take that jug of water and take it up and drink it. 
There's nothing that'll cool your tongue. There's nothing that'll quench your parched mouth and throat as much as just water. Good cold water. If you're not saved, you better get you a good drink on the way out. If you're not saved, hey, you better go to the water fountain just every chance you get. Because if you die lost, and think about it, as they're down there falling and screaming, they know right up above them there's wells. Right up above them there's water. I mean, there's lakes and there's rivers and there's streams. But they can't get no water. No water. I thirst. I thirst. And there's something else. There's the agony of darkness. I've already dealt with this a little bit. I, I, believe, that, I believe the Bible teaches us in Matthew 8, 12. Scripture said there, it said, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness. Outer, hey, have you, do you know how, what dark is? you know what it really is to be in a dark place by yourself? Huh? Have you ever been in a cave? You ever been in a cave, way back in a cave, friend, and you shut the flashlight off? And I mean, I mean, you can be in a dark room and you can shut the lights off. In a few minutes, your eyes will adjust to it. And you'll think it's getting lighter. It's not getting lighter. You're just getting used to the dark. Your eyes, you, you, they're, they're focusing to where you can see. I mean, even in a dark room, you're, you can stay there long enough and you can begin to make, you get in a dark cave. You get far beyond the light of day down under a tunnel, down under a cave and, and shut the light out. It's so dark you can't see your fingers in front of your face. Can't even, I remember we was down there one day at Lookout Mountain. Took the kids down there on a little vacation. We went down that shaft. They took us back there and they shut all the lights out. And there's a fall down there. It's a waterfall. Right? When they shut them lights out, it was so black people got to hollering. That, and my kids grabbed me and I was holding John. That, and Beck was holding my bridge legs. She was screaming, Daddy, I can't see. I, I can't see. People in hell, friend, are in outer darkness. You're not going to see your loved ones in hell. You're not going to find your buddies in hell, friend. Nobody's going to get together and say, let's have a party. No, everybody's in solitary confinement. Everybody's hearing weeping and wailing. Jesus suffered that outer darkness from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock that afternoon. Exactly right, friend. Matthew 27 45 said, And from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Darkness like the world has never seen. That's right. Hey, you say, Preacher, I get I'm preacher, I'm claustrophobic. Preacher, I, I, I can't stand to be in a place like that. I can't stand to be in a tight spot. I can't stand to be in a dark place. I'm gonna tell you something, friend. You better get saved by the grace of God. You don't want to die and go to hell. You're going to spend eternity in darkness. That's right. Say, preacher, I don't believe you ought to preach like this. You'll scare the little children. I don't believe you ought to preach like this. You'll scare people. I, I believe somebody needs to cry loud in these days. The agony of concern. You say, what are you talking about? The wages of sin demands the agony of concern. Luke chapter 16, verse 27, 28, that rich man got concerned. He wasn't concerned for his five brothers while he was here on this planet. I'm sure they was probably the same family. They was probably all wealthy. But man, you don't hear nothing mentioned about them while he was alive. But once that rich man died, and lifted up his eyes in hell, it's amazing that he got concerned. He got concerned for his five brothers. You know what he even said? He said, Abraham, would you send Lazarus back? Would you let Lazarus go? Hey, he didn't want just anybody. He wanted Lazarus to go back. I believe Lazarus had witnessed to him. I believe Lazarus had lived a godly life in front of that rich man. I believe Lazarus had talked to him about getting right with God. And he said, Abraham, would you please send Lazarus back? Let him talk to my five brothers lest they come to this awful place of torment. He got concerned, friend. If you're here tonight lost without the Lord Jesus, if you know anybody that's died lost, there's probably somebody in hell this night concerned about you. I met a boy one time, and he said, I witnessed to him, he said, he said, preacher, I don't want to hear you. He said, my daddy died lost. As far as I know, my daddy was a drunkard, and, and my daddy died lost, and went to hell, preacher. And he said, I want to go where my daddy I want to go to hell. I said, son, you'll never see your daddy. 
I said, if you could only understand, your daddy is asking God. Your daddy's asking God for you not to come. You're here tonight lost. If you know anybody that died lost without God, they're begging God. They're asking God that you wouldn't come to where they are. You say, did Jesus suffer the agony of concern? Oh, yes. On that cross, he quit with concern for his earthly mother, Mary. He turned her over to John for John to take care of her. I'm going to tell you something else. He quit dying long enough, pulled up. That old thief on the one side said, "Would you, Master, he said, Lord, would you remember me when you come to thy kingdom? And Jesus pulled up and said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That old boy got saved for him. He didn't get baptized. He didn't have time to join the church. He didn't have time to do any good works. All he did was take God's side against himself. He said, I'm a sinner. He told that other one, he said, we're suffering justly, but this man unjust. And he said, Lord, and he addressed him in the right way. He said, have mercy on me. And the Bible said, Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me in pain. The Lord was concerned. God help us. God help me. Sometimes I tell you I stand ashamed. I stand ashamed, Brother Lance. So I've crisscrossed the country and preached night after night after night. Find it easy to go to sleep at night. Find it easy just to eat something and go off to sleep. And there's people dying and going to hell. People dying and going to hell. You know what? We're kind of dead to that. We're numb to that. Part of our natural mind. You see, our minds are not saved. Now look at me. Your body's not saved and your mind is not saved. If you are saved, it's just your soul that's saved. Part of the mind wants to push that out of the way. Part of the mind wants to push that in the background. Say, don't think about that. It'll tear your nerves up. Don't think about that. I mean, it'll make you depressed. Don't think about that. I'm going to tell you something, friends. We don't pray for our grandchildren. If we don't pray for our sons and daughters, if we don't pray for them, pray tell them who is going to pray for them. Oh, friend, I can remember those days when I got so burdened for my brother. When I got so burdened for Jim, my brother. I could, oh, I'd be praying and fasting. Back then, I'd, I mean, God help me. Back then, I'd fast and pray and fast. I was with Brother Darrell Weaver in Okeechobee, Florida. He and I, we went, I mean, I was in two different weeks before I ever came home. I went 14 days without eating a bite of food and just drinking juice and water. And we'd meet down to church at 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning and lay down there and pray. And it got to where I was praying until I could almost see my brother's face. Like I could see his face in front of me. And screaming in hell. Screaming in hell. I'm telling you, it got to where I felt like I could almost feel the flames and smell the smoke. And, and almost could hear people screaming. And screaming in hell. I got under a burden, friend. I got under a burden. Okay, have you been under a burden for somebody? Huh? I'll tell you something, we better get burdened for people. What's amazing to me is some of you sleep a petition away. You sleep a petition away from a lost son or a lost daughter. Some of you sleep beside a lost mate. You never hardly shed a tear about it. Why? Oh, God help us. God help me. Oh, Lord. Agony of concern. The agony of pain. You can't even, I cannot begin to scratch the surface of the agony of the pains of hell. The Bible said, the Bible said, being in torments, verse 23. Being in torments, with the S on it, for all. You know what the Bible said? The Bible said in Mark 9 that it's a place where the worm dieth not. That word they tell us in the Greek is S-K-O-L-E-X, skolex. And it means like a maggot that preys upon bodies. Where the worm dieth not. Where the worm dieth not. And the fire is never close. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Oh, in the pain. He said, I'm in torments. He went on to say in Luke 16, 24, I am tormented in this flame. Torments. You ever, you ever seen, have you ever been burned? Have you ever been burned? Have you ever backed up against a, a warm morning stove? 
Have you ever been fooling with a wood-burning stove and go to chunk it up with wood and get your hand too close and get it against the side and it just burn it in the flesh but you smell your own flesh burning? I was a little old boy. I'm so thank I'm from, I'm thankful I don't remember this. My mom and daddy told me, Mama still tells me, which I was a little old fella, she used to make waffles. Them old-timey waffle makers had that thing red hot, pour the waffle mix in it, and then shut it down. She said, I was fooling around there at the kitchen, and she set me up on the counter. And she wasn't paying any attention, and while she wasn't looking, I stuck my hand in that waffle maker red hot and pulled the lid down. And it, it burnt my hand. It's a miracle of God it didn't scar it. It was swelled up all over. They rushed me to the doctor. But I'm so thankful I can't remember that. I don't even remember none of it. I don't remember none of the pain. But I have been burnt before that I can remember. You ever, you ever, you ever been around a burnt animal? You ever, you ever heard horses screaming when a barn goes on fire? Have you ever heard anybody screaming, friend? I remember years ago preaching, not preaching, but being there when Brother Ed Blue preached. There for Brother, was there at, uh, right outside the North City. Brother Bill Harvey was the pastor. As in that great meeting where over 50 sinners got saved, there's getting saved in the middle of the night, there's getting saved in the middle of the morning, getting saved, that's when Taylor Adams and a bunch of men got in. I mean wicked, hell-deserving sinners. Brother Ed was preaching that night. Brother Ed Blue used to be a truck driver. He used to drive the semi-truck tractor and trailer, he and his dad. He said, there's an old boy come by them one night, come by them in a semi-tractor and trailer, headed up the top of that hill, he was a flying, passing everybody. Coming down that hill, don't know whether he lost his brakes or what, Brother Ed said that thing went down it jackknife. He lost it. It went off the side. And that thing crushed. That thing crushed. The trailer crushed the cab. And he was pinned in there. Brother Ed Blue said everybody pulled up and got to stop him. They was trying to get him out. He was wedged in. About that time the state troopers pulled up. And that boy was wedged in. Somebody said, watch out. Watch out. Said diesel fuel's leaking. Look out. It looks like there's a flame. There's a flame. He was pinned inside. They couldn't get him out. And the flames began to flicker. Flames begin to flicker. Brother Ed said he could hear that man screaming, Please, please get me out. Please get me out. He had a leather jacket on. The leather jacket caught on fire. He was screaming. He began to scream. They said, We can't get you out. Men was trying to reach in and get him. He was pinned in. He asked that state trooper. He said, Sir, take your gun and shoot me. Shoot me. Don't let me burn to death. Don't let me burn to death. Brother Ed Blue said the last thing he could see was that man's hand reached up and grabbing handfuls of hair that was on fire and pulled it away. Finally, he said that hand knew for the last time. Grown men began to kneel down, squall, and cry, weep. The man burnt to death. You hear it? Can you imagine the agony, the pain of an eternal hell? Dying, 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 and never able to die. The wages of sin is death. To die, 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 yet to be able to die. Mr. Spurgeon said, the hell of hell is is forever. Forever! Forever! He said, every flame that flickered in hell had it wrote on it. Forever! Forever! He said, every demon in hell screams. Forever! Forever! Dr. Percy Ray used to preach on the red lights to hell. Doc, you think I'm being descriptive, friend? Dr. Percy Ray had every light turned out in the church. He had a thing that had batteries in it, and it had a light that turned around and around and around, and it flashed red. And when he pulled that lever, it'd come on. He'd run through the auditorium and put it in front of people's face. He'd scream, stop, sinner, stop. Hell, hell, stop, sinner, stop. Hell, fire, burning. Stop, 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 sinner, stop. Stop, sinner, stop. Hell, fire, burning, burning. I mean, he'd go on like that. Hey, people got under conviction. People was falling in the pews, in the altar, screaming, getting right with God. Sinners, hey, preach on, hey, preaching on red lights. People don't get scared. People aren't afraid anymore. You know how I know they're not afraid? Because sinners are not crying for mercy. Every drop of blood that flowed from Jesus' veins says this in essence. God will judge sin. Every drop of blood. Hey, you can look, you better see two things when you look at Jesus hanging at the cross. You better see an absolute demonstration of God's love and God's long suffering for sinners. Then you better see the wages of sin. 
you don't come to Christ, you better see the wages of sin. Thanks as they are. No mortal tongue can tell you. No. Easy to say, preacher, did Jesus suffer? He suffered physically. Physically. I mean, as they beat his back, plucked their hair from his face, as they as they molested him, as it were, and beat him, and then nailed him to a tree, and, and hung him there. He suffered physically. Our Lord suffered mentally. He who knew no sin was made sin. He was made sin, friend. He was the spotless Lamb of God. He had never committed to sin. He was tipped in all points like as we are, yet without sin. But he was made suffered spiritually as he was separated from God the Father and God the Holy Ghost and his soul was made an offering of sin. I close with this. The wages of sin demands the agony of death. Death. Won't you listen to this? Bible said in Revelation 20 verse 14 and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. You're going to die, friend. Saved or lost if Jesus doesn't come. We're all going to die. But I'm glad I'm never going to taste the second death. You say, what in the world are they talking? What's the Bible saying, preacher? And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. That's where they'll be in the lake of fire. You say, where is the lake of fire? I don't know, really. I don't know. I have no, I have no grounds on the Bible to really say where it is. I just don't know. But there is a place that God's got prepared. The lake of fire. The lake of fire. Oh, you're going to get baptized. You hear me? You're going to get baptized. You either come down here and get saved and repent and ask God to forgive you and get right and go out to the water and let Him baptize you or God will baptize sinners in hell. And the lake of fire. The agony of death. They preachers, that so? It is. It is. You see, Jesus, Jesus literally died. Oh, listen, I've read them liberal theologians. They say Jesus didn't really die. They said just he passed out from the lack of blood and, and, and it, the pain caused him to pass out and the cold air of the grave revived him. Hogwash. He died. He tasted death for every man, friend. He died. Physically, he died. He died. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He willed himself dead. But on the third and appointed morning, he conquered death, fell in the grave. And he got up. Are you hearing me? And he's at the right hand of the Father tonight. He's there to make intercession for those of us that are saved. And he's there to be the means of you getting saved, sinner. Oh, please, I beg you tonight, if you're in this service lost, you're in this service lost tonight. They've been lost people here about every night. There's some young people that's here that's lost. There's probably some moms and dads that's here lost. I'm telling you, folks, we better get burdened. I don't even like to preach like this. My flesh retaliates. My mind retaliates. I do not like to preach like this. I really don't. Goes against the grain of the human nature. I'd rather preach about heaven. I'd rather preach about helping people in the valleys and things. But I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to get the blood off of my hands in Dayton, Tennessee. I'm trying to get the blood off of my hands in this service. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. For the Lance, if you'll come and play softly. Folk are doing business with God. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We need to ask God to break our hearts once again. God help us to plow up the fallow ground. I saw something last night that I don't believe I've ever seen just like I saw last night. I saw a dear lady spend the entire service while I preached almost under that communion table praying for one of her relatives that lost. I've not seen that in years. I'm talking about with tears. I'm talking about the broken heart praying. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And the carpenter's playing coffee. I want to ask a couple of questions tonight. We'll be through. You've been awful good to listen tonight. 
I want to see the hands of those that can raise their hand and say, Preacher Seaton, thank God tonight. Thank God, Brother Buster. I'm not going to have to die and go to hell. I've been saved with the grace of God. And I know it, Preacher. And I'm not ashamed of it. If you hold your hand up high, you're saved. Hold it up high. You can take it down now. Thank you. Well, some of you was holding both hands up. It's a blessed thought, isn't it? I'm glad I'm not going to have to go there. I deserve to be there. I deserve to go. But I'm glad Jesus signed my pardon and I don't have to go. And I accepted what he did for me. That's all I did. That's all I did was come and ask him to have mercy on me. He'll do the same for you, sinner. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Is there anyone here tonight that said, Preacher, pray for me? By an uplifted hand, would you say, Preacher, pray for me? I'm not saved. I am not saved, Preacher. Please pray for me. I saw your hand, man. I promise you, we'll pray for you. Someone else, preacher, I'd tell you what I'd do, ma'am. I'd make my way. I'd slip out right now. I wouldn't wait. I'd slip out now. Come, make things right with God. There'll be somebody to pray with you. If there's somebody, is there somebody else here tonight? Preacher Frazier, I need somebody to pray with this lady, please. Is somebody that can deal with her and talk to her, pray with her. Is there somebody else here tonight? Say, Preacher, I'm not saved. Preacher, if I died tonight on the way home, there was a horrible accident and I was in it. And if I died tonight, Preacher, I'd die lost. Pray for me. Anyone else? Just slip it up and take it back down. I'm not trying to see how many people we can get in the altar tonight. I'm not necessarily interested in going out of here and putting out a brag sheet about what happened. But from an honest heart, how many of you here tonight say, Preacher, I've got a family member. Preacher, I've got a dear loved one that's not saved. Please help me to pray for their, their need of being saved all over the building. Every hand in here about saved. I'm telling you, folks, we need to get burdened. We need to ask God to help us and travail in prayer. need to come tonight. The altars are still open. I want to say this. I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that according to Revelation 21 4, that God said He is going to wipe away all tears one day. I just don't believe heaven would be heaven for us. I don't believe it would be heaven for us that are saved if we had to go through eternity remembering our loved ones that were in hell and the lake of fire. And I believe I can back it up with Scripture. You know what God's going to do for us? Some of you grandmothers have wept over grandchildren. Some of you moms and dads have wept over children. And if they die lost, you know what God's going to do for you one day? He's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. That Bible said the former things shall not come into mind. We're going to enjoy the Lord Jesus and heaven. I don't believe there'll ever be a fault that those who died lost come into our minds. We'll never have that plague us again. I will tell you something, sinner. There'll never be, there'll never be a moment of eternity that you won't be thinking about your saved loved one. You'll be eternally forgotten, sinner. Eternally forgotten. Oh, God help you. I beg you tonight, if you're not saved, come to Christ. Today's the day of salvation. How's the accepted time? You ought to come. People are still praying. You want to be reverent. I wish folk could get under a burden. I wish tomorrow night we'd have this church house filled. I wish we'd go out and compel them to come in. Go get somebody. Bring them. Brother Lance, would you send the word?
stand to your feet with me all over the auditorium. You help him sing tonight. We need to be more faithful in passing out those tracts. We need to be more faithful in telling people that we come in contact with. We need to be saved. better think about it, sinner. You really, you, really, you really better weigh the consequences. I personally, listen, I personally have never seen this. Most of the people that I've ever had to go to the hospital and deal with, if they were dying, were under such sedation that they couldn't hardly talk. But I heard Dr. J. Harold Smith tell this. He was in a revival meeting one night. They'd been in that meeting for a couple of weeks. One of the wealthiest men in that county, multi-millionaire, was dying at home. Dying. They called for the pastor. The pastor asked Dr. J. Harold Smith if he'd go with him. Dr. J. Harold Smith said as they turned in that driveway that led to that mansion, he said they could hear him scream, scream. Dr. J. Harold Smith said when they got in the bedroom where he was, the man had so pushed back up in the back of the bed and his head was against the headboard that literally the hair of his head was pushed back in that headboard. They had to tie him down. He was screaming. They tried to deal with him about his soul. He said, don't you understand? He said, my feet's on fire. My feet's on fire. My feet's on fire. A few more minutes, he died right there in their presence. He died. Dr. J. Harold Smith said, that's one of the most horrible, horrible things that ever witnessed. Man died long. God help us. God help me. ready to go home. You're ready to close out. Some of us will be history. See what the world has to say? Hell. Nothing to worry about. Don't worry about hell. Not what the Bible says. I will tell you, I appreciate you coming tonight. I appreciate people being in these altars every night weeping, praying. Pastor, please, you come, please. Close out, I'm through.